From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Samantha Wright, filling in for Jim and Godette. It's Idaho Matters. This is year four for the Treasure Valley Pollinator Project. It's the brainchild of the Ada Soil and Water Conservation District. Their goal is to increase pollinator habitat and the number of pollinators in the Treasure Valley. It's uh, it's a wonderful project, and they work to have people plant flowers and to learn how to be better stewards of our environment. This year's focus is the birds and bumblebees, and of course, conservation, especially of water. Joining us now is the district's program coordinator, Jessica Harold. Welcome back to Idaho Matters, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me back. Okay, for folks who have not had the fun of taking part in this project yet, tell us about it. What is it? How does it work? So the goal of the Treasure Valley Pollinator Project is to get people active in conservation in their own backyard. Connectivity of habitat is really important for all of our pollinators. And so just having food sources for them, not in one place, but spread all across the Treasure Valley is really key to their survival. And always having something in bloom and a diversity of plants for the diversity of insects that we have too. So we just really want to highlight the importance of what you can do and how you can help habitat in your own special way, in your own unique way in your garden. And then we provide a lot of education for all of our project participants as well. And a lot of connection in our community, talking about the insects that we're seeing and how um, how we really expanded our gardens and increased this, um, this great connectivity and making the Treasure Valley just a really wonderful place, even while all the development is happening for all of these insects to still be and thrive and to help our local agricultural scene as well, because ag relies on a lot of these really important pollinators. So, so making sure they're around is important for us and for them. Mm, and uh, let's see, I got to take part uh, on the very first pollinator project Back in 2021, 800 people took part, helped plant 64,000 plants all over the Treasure Valley. We're in year four, so you cut, you've got a lot of plants in the ground to help pollinators over the years, right? Yes, tons. I think we have, after this year, we'll have planted over 140,000 flowering plants wow. just through this project. And so if you think about all the people still buying flowers from local nurseries and starting their own seeds, um, we're really making an impact as a community for pollinator habitat by taking up that that extra space in your yard or by, you know, densely planting some flowers in your garden and not just making it really sparse with maybe flowers or shrubs that don't flower, um, but by putting a lot of flowers and especially native flowers in your garden, it really has an impact. It does. Okay, so part of the project is um, you guys, um, and that's uh, all kinds of people at the Soil and Water Conservation District and Peaceful Valley Farms, and I mean, just all kinds of folks get together, grow the flowers or start growing them, and then um, people buy them and then go and pick them up. I think it's in May. And you get to pick a mix or two mixes or three mixes or four mixes of flowers. Each mix is designed for something special. And then you take them home and plant them. Um, I want to dig into the mixes this year because every year you put together different mixes and um, for different reasons. So tell me about mix 
number one. Um, it's got some great stuff in it. I saw, I think, yarrow, milkweed, fleabane. I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds pretty cool. Tell me about mix number one. Uh, yeah, mix number one is our regional native mix. Um, so it does have the great natives that you um, mentioned. And, you know, there's some goldenrod and blanket flower in there and penstemon. Mm. Uh, it's really important to have the the plants that all of our native um, bees, there's tons of tiny little native ground nesting bees in Idaho. And so to have the flowers that they um, are adapted to is really important in our gardens and our landscapes. It's not bad to have a, you know, a garden full of tomatoes and zinnias and other plants as well, but um, we still need what our you know, regional bees are used to as well. So you can have both and we highly encourage a very diverse garden just to, um, because diversity is just key to a sustainable um, ecosystem. And so diverse natives in your, um, in your garden is really important. Uh, absolutely. Um, okay, tell me about number two. I think this one's aimed at bumblebees. It is, yes. Mix number two is full of zinnias and comfrey and oregano and catmint, sage and borage, which is all plants that I have in my garden that I watch bumblebees crawl all over during the summer. Summer. So um, this is really aimed at providing a lot of bumblebee food um, for these really fun, cute pollinators that we have. And again, I say you have converted me because cat mint was in year one and mm -hmm. uh, it's not catnip, it's cat mint. And mm -hmm. it is an amazing plant. This thing just, if you want a ground cover or something's going to spread, get some cat mint. It is going to go all over the place wherever you want it. Agreed. Yeah. How it kind of falls in my garden. I don't really chop it back. I just let it kind of droop and dry on the ground and then it will come back every year. But where it has been on the ground, it's just such a thick ground cover that my weeds don't come up. Yeah. And I cut it back in the spring when it's starting to show. And then all of a sudden it will just take over again. And it's just kind of a weed free management that doesn't require any sprays or actually any really heavy weeding except for just trimming it back a little bit um, in the late spring. It's a great plant. I, I'm all for it. Okay, mix three is, uh, I think, food for birds. You've got something in there called a, I didn't know this one, chocolate flower. Um, I approve yeah. of the name. I'm guessing it's not actually chocolate. No, no. But yeah, mix number three is definitely for the birds. Um, a lot of these plants go to seed and keep on, you know, feeding the birds throughout the year. They're great for pollinators. Um, all throughout the, the spring and summer, but then let them, don't deadhead them at the very end of the year, let them all go to seed. And those seeds then provide food um, for birds throughout the winter to forage. And then if you're lucky, the birds won't find all of them. They'll reseed and you'll just keep on being able to continue the cycle. Some of them reseed maybe a little too well. Um, but, you know, I don't think that's a terrible problem for me. My garden's always a little bit on the wild side because I feel like it just really um, does well in a more natural wild setting for the pollinators and the birds. Um, 
So that's that's more my vibe from gardening. Nice. Oh, and you've got a new one this year, flowering shrubs. At least some of them look new. Um, tell me about the shrubs because that's that's not flowers. Those are actually shrubs, and when you get them, um, they they don't look like a, a plant or a flower. They sure don't. This is um, a new thing that we are working on this year since we are focusing a lot on birds and we're partnering with a lot of organizations, kind of like the Golden Eagle Audubon Society, too, for a lot of our education and outreach. Um, shrubs are a really important part of bird habitat and especially the, the fruit from them in the fall is really key um, to just creating places for birds to come eat and to nest. Um, they hide in the shrubs too from major predators. So it's just a really vital part of that ecosystem. So we are going to be ordering, they're called whips from the Washington Association of Conservation Districts. They um, go out and take cuttings of plants. And so you are going to kind of root these in the ground yourself. They're not your traditional shrub that comes in a pot that's fully rooted with a bunch of leaves. So they take a little bit more love and care, but they are also very affordable. So it is a nice way to add a lot of habitat. If you have a little bit of extra time um, to do a little bit of extra watering and um, caretaking at the very beginning, to then really increase a lot of habitat in your garden. And um, you can buy like five of each, or you can buy like a mixed bundle that has just one of each. So they come in sets, um, so you can share with your neighbors if you want, or you can just try to start a bunch on your own and see. Uh, we just wanted a different offering in a very affordable way for all of our participants this year to increase their shrubs, um, flowering shrubs, in their yard, uh, in addition to all of the pollinator plants. We're talking about the Treasure Valley Pollinator Project with uh, program coordinator Jessica Harold. And Jessica, I mean, when we're talking about these flowers, and you can go online and look at the flowers and the shrubs and what they're going to look like when they grow up, um, and and you know, and it helps pick out which ones you want. But you know, a lot of smart people uh, sit down and decide which one of these to grow. And they're all, as you said, um, obviously with the natives, but they're all set for the area. Um, these are plants that are going to grow well here in the Treasure Valley. They're going to do well. Um, they're not going to take too much water. They're, they're good plants for for the, not only the habitat, but, but where we live. Yes, we try to get plants or try to plan for plants that are more drought tolerant so they do well in our region. It's really important when you're looking at your garden. Um, you know, you could have some plants that take up a lot of water, but maybe have those all in one space. So if you have to, you know, heavily water an area, it's just one area versus the entire yard. So um, it's just looking at your landscape differently and how you can make it the most water wise and water efficient um, as possible. And so when we're selecting these flowers, a lot of these are just on the drought tolerant side. We're not picking plants that uh, will need to be, you know, hiking up your water bill. They can definitely withstand um, our Idaho heat. Wonderful. Um, and along with flowers, of course, uh, when you sign up for the project, you get to uh, take some of these online classes and talks and workshops. 
I noticed a lot of them this year are about conservation and especially water conservation. Yes, um, that is our new program that we have in partnership with Boise Watershed and the Boise Public Libraries. We do have a full series of um, water-wise classes that deal with topics about, you know, rain barrels and water conservation and designing your garden to be water-wise and how to uh, create like a robust um, water-wise ecosystem in your yard. And the first one is coming up next week. And it is about, you know, the the power of individual conservation and how you can really make an impact in so many different ways in your community. Um, we think it's really important that we all recognize that we have a role to play. It might be small, but it's also still really important. Um, and just thinking about it in like a bigger, you know, how we can all really um, help our environment kind of way. Wonderful. Okay. How long do folks have to sign up for the flowers? Uh, people can buy their flowers through the end of April. A flower pickup is the first um, Friday and Saturday in May. And uh, if we have any flowers left over, which sometimes we do, but that native mix goes really quickly. It does. So if you want it, I would hop on it now. Um, but if we do have flowers left over, people will also be able to come purchase flowers um, for the first time or add additional flowers onto their order uh, during pollinator pickup at Peaceful Valley 2. Fantastic. We've been talking about the Treasure Valley Pollinator Project with Program Coordinator Jessica Harold with the Ada Soil and Water Conservation District. We're going to put links to the project and some flower pictures um, on our website, boisestatepublicradio.org. Jessica, thanks. And I know we're going to be talking to some of the folks who are doing some of the classes um, coming up over the next few weeks. So we're looking forward to that. Have fun with the project this year. Thanks so much. We look forward to seeing you out there getting your flowers. Thanks for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Samantha Wright. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.